0: Hello, welcome to this TechCheck Plus live stream. It's a timely one as regional banks are in focus following the fallout of Silicon Valley Bank. Today, regional banks are bouncing back after the U.S. government decided to backstop the Silicon Valley Bank, a bit of a controversial move that continues to be discussed on Wall Street, also being discussed bank consolidation. While it's unclear what that would mean for the economy or consumers, it is expected to be a tailwind for Jack Henry, a software as a service operator in the financial space that focuses on banks specifically, Regional and mid-level banks, and right now I'm joined by David Foss, the CEO of Jack Henry. David, thank you for being here on this TechCheck Plus live stream.
1: Happy to join you, Frank.
0: All right, David. Uh, I know you're in, com- in actually New York City for a conference. You weren't expecting to talk about this regional bank fallout at all, but we're going to have to talk quite a bit about it here. Um, you do have a unique perspective on what we're seeing with Silicon Valley Bank and regional banks overall. They're really your core customers. Can you give a sense of what you're hearing and what you're seeing about this? And I know, I just want to be clear, you're a SaaS player that provides support to these banks, but give us a sense of what you're hearing.
1: Yeah, just a quick, uh, a quick uh, introduction. So our company provides a wide variety of technology solutions to banks and credit unions focused in the United States. So the, the way I always tell the story is that if you're running a bank or credit union in the United States, pretty much any technology that you need to do that, you can get from Jack Henry if you choose, uh, choose to do that. We specialize in serving uh, credit unions of all sizes and then banks starting at around 500 million, up to about uh, 50 billion in assets. So that super regional space is not an area that we focus on uh, significantly, but pretty much all the other uh, banks in the space, other than the very largest are our uh, area of specialty. And so as we are talking to bankers, and obviously in the last couple of days, I've done a lot of that, uh, (laughs) as we're talking to bankers, one of the challenges that they're, and and frankly, I would say they're frustrated because there is this uh, conflation between uh, capitalization and liquidity that's happening in the conversation uh, out there just in general. And, you know, what happened at Silicon Valley Bank, I think the bank was uh, adequately capitalized. But as far as liquidity, they had some real challenges around uh, liquidity. Most of the banks that we serve are not in that same boat. They are not specializing in serving uh, uh, clients who are focused in cryptocurrency, as we saw with Signature. They're not specialized in serving fintechs, as we saw with uh, Silicon Valley Bank most of our clients are serving some area, some community, and they're serving those customers who are small, medium business clients, and certainly retail clients, but a lot of small, medium business clients. And so they don't have, or they don't feel that they have that same exposure to what you we've seen at uh, Silicon Valley Bank or a couple of the other banks that have been in the news here uh, recently. So I think the good news for our customer base is generally they're well capitalized, generally they don't have liquidity challenge, but even if they did, the actions that the uh, the Treasury Department, the Fed, uh, FDIC, and uh, the White House have taken here in the past couple of days, we think are really the right thing to do for our, our industry. So re- to really build some confidence
0: into the uh, the overall industry among among consumers. All right, so when we're, we're talking banks, I don't know if this is true, but a lot of other industries, they say that mystery equals margin. So in your case, with so much uproar in the banking industry, so many questions for a lot of these regional banks that you mentioned, Um, Of various scales, about, uh, I believe you said 500 million to 50 billion in in assets. Um, So a very wide span of, of banks there. Give us a sense of all this controversy, uproar, upheaval. What does it mean for Jack Henry's business?
1: Yeah, so there are a few different aspects of this. Number one is if M&A picks up again, and it, it's ironic because I was in New York just a couple of weeks ago doing investor conferences, and that's why I'm here today. I'm speaking at a conference later this afternoon. I've been doing these uh, for the last several weeks since our earnings call, and I've been talking a lot about the fact that M&A has essentially come to a stop in our space. There was really little M&A activity happening here for the past several months, mainly because bank stocks had been uh, kind of taken a beating, and so the bankers didn't feel like they had the currency that they that they used to have and then the sellers didn't feel like they were getting a valuation that they wanted so there was a really little m a happening so now the question is will this or Uh, for M&A again. When M&A happens, generally Jack Henry is a beneficiary because uh, a Jack Henry bank acquires another bank, they need services from us to add that acquired bank into our platforms. And then the way they pay us is based on number of accounts or number of uh, registered users or number of transactions. So whenever a bank uh, is uh, is acquiring another bank and they're folding onto one of our platforms, our revenue goes up. So that's normally a very good thing for us when uh, when M&A happens. Ironically, as I say, MA had come to a stop. The big question right now is will this fuel MA or not? And of course, I have no way of accurately predicting that as I sit here at this moment.
0: You know, what, David, we're not going to ask you for a prediction. Let's talk a little bit more about M&A. No predictions, but I think you do have some insight. I'm going to get deeper into what you were talking about the fact that you were in New York City uh, last month. Actually, your last quarter, you reported on February 8th. And during that quarter, you said in part, This lack of consolidation by financial institutions is also impacting our services revenue associated with convert and merge activities. M&A is down overall in the banking space and the experts in the industry don't see any significant rebound for at least a couple of quarters. So I'm not asking for a prediction. However, as you mentioned, a lot of people would use your software if they're planning to buy another bank. So I would imagine if there's any banks out there looking to acquire, they're at least gonna touch base with you. So no predictions, no crystal balls, David, but give us a sense. Are some of your customers coming to you saying, hey, we're eyeballing these other banks, or we're at least eyeballing the assets of other
1: banks. Yeah, I talk, so they don't normally name names in those conversations, but I talk to CEOs all the time of banks in our space, and there's been a real appetite for M&A here going on for quite some time. And one of the real reasons for that is because most bankers that we deal with, they see an opportunity on the lending side. The commercial lending landscape has really been pretty strong, but their challenge has been gaining deposits. You saw a big run up in deposits after uh, stimulus checks went out. So a lot of people put a lot of that money into their uh, bank or credit union. They were spending away on those deposit, on that money. And so the deposit balances have been shrinking a little bit and yet commercial loan demand has been going up. So you have bankers out there trying to find banks that had maybe an overabundance of deposits, do the acquisition, now I have deposits to fund the loan demand that I, uh, that I have. So there is definitely a lot of interest I just spoke at a conference in uh, January and the name of the conference is acquire or be acquired. And the whole idea is they attract bankers there, buyers and sellers, uh, you know, some speed dating going on, trying to find those matches of people that are looking to sell their bank potentially and people that are looking to, to acquire a bank. And I will tell you the overwhelming number of bankers there were on the acquire side. They were looking for somebody to acquire because they had loan demand, but they
0: just didn't have the deposits to fund all the demand that they were seeing. All right. I'm going to push you a little bit. You're mentioning January. You mentioned a couple of weeks ago. What about the last week or so? Um, (laughs) Is your phone ringing a bit more, especially since Friday, since all this happened? Are you getting calls? You don't have to name names of specific companies, but we do know that you have a big uh, customer base of these banks.
1: Yeah, yeah. so it's uh, I think what's happening right now, particularly in the past few days, is most bankers, rather than saying, I gotta go talk to Jack Henry about a potential acquisition, most of them have really buckled down to make sure that their customers understand the financial health of their institution. So a lot of outreach to their customers, a lot of communication with their customers, they've been very active on social media, trying to make sure that they kind of calm people down and say there isn't some great big flaw in the US banking system, this isn't 2008 all over again, You know, this is a it's a group of very specialized banks. They're serving a group of specialized customers. There's an issue happening over here. You all need to remain calm and carry on, if you will, uh, because, uh, you know, the the overall banking system is very is very strong. So I think most of their emphasis in the past few days has been on that, making sure that they're educating their customers, informing their customers and uh, ensuring that they don't have some, you know, misunderstanding about the financial health of the bank. With that said, I'm sure a lot of them are also watching for those opportunities because again, just a month or two ago, they many of them had that top of uh, top of mind. And so they're out looking for those opportunities right now. Uh, but I think number one priority is make sure that our existing customers are comfortable with the uh, the model that the bank is following.
0: I don't know if there's a, uh, a Senate seat or a house seat open down there in Texas, but that was a political answer if I ever heard one, David. <laughs> Let's focus on your business a bit. Uh, last quarter, in addition to saying there was a slowdown in M&A, You also indicated that customers were switching their transactions from debit to credit, your business, more debit to debit transactions. What does that switch indicate to you, not only for your business, but also the consumer spending environment? Yeah, so
1: and we weren't seeing it actively in our in our numbers. What we were seeing was kind of the the tea leaves were indicating that there was a change coming, a slight change. And as I've stressed to investors, you know, we were growing like crazy in our debit business. And so all I was trying to telegraph was a little bit of a slowdown in the growth, not that we were going to flatten out in any way, but a little bit of a slowdown uh, slowdown in the growth. And our experience uh, and our projections are, are uh, consistent with what uh, both Visa and Mastercard have been reporting that you know, over the past several months, back to my reference earlier about uh, stimulus checks, people had put a lot of money into their deposit accounts with those stimulus checks. Those balances were high. They've been chipping away at those balances using their debit card. And now as they're continuing to have a little concern about the overall economy, some were switching a little bit of that activity to a credit card as opposed to their debit card because they weren't exactly sure uh, what the, the near-term future looked like. Jack Henry, a major debit issuer, we are not a major credit card issuer, uh and so for us a little bit of a slowdown on the debit side in our projection our forward-looking projection um but an uptick on the credit side because we're not a a major uh, credit card issuer and so we'll have to see how the uh next couple of quarters go we're at june 30 fiscal year end uh, reporter and so for us this was our mid-year update we issue guidance annually but it was our mid-year update and we were seeing a couple of things that uh, prompted us to say we need to drop guidance just a little bit on the debit processing side because of the shift that we saw coming. And again, consistent with what both Visa and MasterCard have said.
0: I want to talk a little bit more broadly about the cloud and the enterprise space. You are a SaaS provider of services for banks. Uh, I just want to be clear, you're not a financial services company. You're a SaaS company with a subscription model. Yeah. So when we talk about SaaS right now, cloud enterprise, you know, a lot of different words to basically say the same thing here. We're hearing some different uh, mixed messages, if you will, from CEOs of different companies. Some people say things are slowing down dramatically. Other people say deals are just taking longer to close. And then other reports are just flat out telling us there's less demand. What are you seeing in the cloud space right now from your customers and more broadly?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting point for me because for the last two quarters, I've had this these questions on earnings calls and in investor meetings, people saying to me, you know, all of your competitors are talking about how their demand environment has slowed pretty significantly. And we're not hearing that from Jack Henry. And my response is no, we absolutely have not seen that. Uh, We had a record sales quarter in the December quarter. uh, And I talked all about it on the February earnings call. We followed that with uh, the pipeline as it sits today is larger than it's ever been in the history of our company. So a really significant demand for Jack Henry technology solutions and services uh, in in our space. We're known as the premier provider of of uh, service in our space, a, a key provider of uh, innovative technology uh, to our space. and so the demand environment for Jack Henry has never been stronger. but we you know we have to juxtapose that against the messaging that's coming from our major competitors where they're seeing real slowdown in interest and demand in their solutions. I like to chalk that up to the fact that we have great technology and great service and great people uh, and we have this reputation as a real tier one provider in our uh, in our space. Uh, but of course, I can't comment accurately on what's happening to anybody else. All I can
0: tell you is what's happening with our company. You know, one thing that we've heard from a lot of companies is that demand is strong, but deals are taking longer to close. And also, customers are saying, don't sell me something else, teach me how to maximize what you already sold me. Is it a similar story for your company?
1: Yeah, deals are not taking longer to close. So I'll, I'll clarify that uh, on the front end of your question. Absolutely not. Uh, every deal, every larger deal that we do, there's always a consultant involved. There's always an attorney involved. You know, it takes time, but definitely have not seen an elongation of the uh, of the uh, sales cycle. But to your second point, absolutely a legitimate point. And we talk about it a lot with our customers, uh, we have uh, you know thousands of customers, and I would challenge many of them that they're not getting everything out of the systems that they could. We years ago stood up a lot a wide variety of online training options, and we offer in-person training, uh, whether they want to come to a client conference or want us to come on site to their institution. But almost everything we sell, we have an online training option, and so we push our customers. They're free to use. Go out and learn more about how to get more value out of the systems that you have today. And so, but it's a balancing act. You know, we certainly are in the business of selling additional solutions, and we want to continue to do that. But we know our customers are happier if they're getting the really uh, full use out of the systems they've already purchased from Jack Henry, which is why we are constantly pushing that, uh, that message.
0: All right, another big macro issue right now, rising rates. How does rising rates impact your business Um, in general, it's thought that rising rates help financials. But at the same time, when it comes to companies like yours, generally rising rates are impactful in a negative way, it just kind of devalues future profits. How does that work for Jack Henry in, in particular? Yeah,
1: so it's an interesting thing. Being in the space that we're in, first off, as a large public company, uh, you know, any uh, any leverage that we have on the balance sheet, we're paying uh, interest, you know, real interest now on that. The good news is we're uh, we have very little leverage. We're less than a half a turn uh, of uh, leverage as far as our balance sheet is concerned. We tend to run a clean and conservative balance sheet, and so you know, the rising rate environment has certainly had a, an impact on us, but it's not something uh, significant. The flip side is, and kind of the good news, if you will, um, we, because of our payments business, we tend to keep balances at, uh, you know, at some of our banks. And so we're earning interest on that uh, now that we haven't earned any measurable interest in a long time, just like everybody else. And so that's an offset for us, the, the interest that we earn on balances that we're keeping with our. Uh, financial institutions but then the really good news has been for the last uh, several quarters now you know in this rising rate environment because almost all of our customers are banks and credit unions loan rates have been going up you haven't seen them raise deposit rates very much and so for the first time in many years, they actually have an interest margin spread that they can operate with. And so bankers have been really pretty positive up until this week with you know the, the uncertainty this week, have been really very positive about the rising rate environment and the opportunity that they have to earn an interest margin spread that they just haven't had for years. And so I talk a lot about the fact that you know rates have gone up, deposit rates haven't gone up much, but as I've stressed to people, even if deposit rates go up and that, and that net interest margin closes again, Our customers have have been running in that environment for years. You know, the rates have been much lower, but it's a skinny little spread. Well, same idea If deposit rates go up. They know how to run their their franchise in that type of a setting because they've been doing it for years very successfully as interest rates have been so so low. So for the moment, uh, we got customers with more money to spend. They're actually seeing an interest margin. And uh, so that's been good news for us. And I think that's going to hold true for the foreseeable future here. Again, depending on what all shakes out here this week,
0: I think that uh, model continues to hold true well i think a lot depends on what shakes out this week one thing that doesn't depend on what shakes out this week the fact that the VC climate has changed dramatically the startup climate has changed dramatically and for a lot of i guess newer companies recently ipo companies and maybe companies that haven't turned profitable yet things have changed dramatically so i'm going to come full circle uh we talked about m a when it came to banks but you're also an m a guy you I see the look on your face. Yeah, so yeah. Don't turn into Senator Foss on me on this one. Uh, when you're looking at the climate right now with so many startups that perhaps um, don't have the same valuation, a lot of companies that are public, but recently public, don't have the same valuation, also have some questions about where they can get capital from going forward. Are you eyeing some some companies out there for Jack Henry to it?
1: Yeah, so it's a, and you know Frank, I'm I'm passionate about the topic of M&A. I ran the practice at Jack Henry for about 11 years, where I was we were doing uh, deals, and then I would run the deal after we did the acquisition. We did I think 32 or 33 deals during that period. So I'm very passionate about the topic and I, us as a good operator. We know how to do good deals. We know how to integrate them into our our company, and we are known in our space. So every investment banker in our space, they know to call Jack Henry if they have a deal that would be of interest to uh, to Jack Henry. I've been saying for quite some time, in fact, if you go back and listen to the February earnings call of last year, so 2022, I said on the call in a response to a question about about M&A that I expected 2022 was going to be the year where things were really going to get back into action again, because my expectation was during the summer, I thought that funding for a lot of the startups was going to dry up for the private companies. And I thought the public companies were, they were already taking a beating at that time. And so I thought some reality would set in and that would create some opportunities for Jack Henry to do some really uh, creative deals for our company and some, to, to pick up some products that would be of real interest to our uh, to our customer base. Well, it didn't happen last year. Uh, it, much to my surprise, uh, uh, private equity money continued to flow in uh, during the summer of last year and even into the fall. And even though some of the uh, the fintech stocks took a beating, their investors seemed to be willing to hang on and they seemed to think that the sun was going to shine again in a little while. And, well, now with this, I think this is a real catalyst possibly for uh, for Jack Henry. So yeah, my expectation is that we will see some nice opportunities to jump in and, and uh, pick up some, some nice assets. Um, when we look at companies, uh, we're, again, we're a very disciplined acquirer. Uh, we've done a lot of deals, so we know what to look for. Culture is always top of mind for us. If you read anything about Jack Henry, you'll understand that we have a really unique culture. And so that's important to us. And we're always looking for things that will be additive to our customers, things that our customers will look at and say, yeah, that makes sense. I would buy that from Jack Henry. We don't look to do transformational acquisitions. We have a wonderful company here. We're not looking to transform the company. We're looking for things that will be additive to our product set and that uh, customers will, will look at and say, yeah, I think I'd like to add that to my my suite of solutions. So to answer your question directly, I absolutely think that we'll be seeing some opportunities here as a result of what's happened this week. And hopefully there'll be some really nice opportunities at a reasonable valuation.
0: All right, as someone who's a real M&A person, someone who's really high M&A, give us a sense, what metric are you looking at when you're looking to value companies? We hear a lot of different things. When it's a company that has posted profits, we can look at forward earnings, but a lot of these companies are sometimes, uh, you know, pre-profits, even pre-revenue, maybe just a startup. So what's the metric that you're looking at that, you know, isn't just necessarily Jack Henry specific, but can be used more broadly when we're looking at SaaS companies and cloud companies?
1: yeah so we rarely do a pre-revenue acquisition we're always trying to make sure that somebody if somebody's proven the model that somebody would actually buy this you know this thing whatever it is so rarely have we done a pre-revenue but we've done several that are pre-earnings so that's common in our space and so normally when we're doing the analysis we have to do projections uh, knowing you know the way we run our business we know this business really well i've been in this space for 38 years I'm a technologist at heart, by the way. So when I look at companies, I look at their technology and try to think about how bankers that I've supported for 38 years, how are they gonna uh, think about this technology? Will they wanna consume this technology from Jack Henry? So we're doing traditional analyses, So ROIC analysis, accretion dilution analysis. We always run an MPV um, analysis on these deals to try and figure out you know, the best option for us to take. We are, we are not known as the acquirer that will pay the highest price normally. You know, we come in at a competitive price, but we come in with a reputation for doing good deals where we take care of the customer and take care of the employees. And a lot of sellers, including P.E., we've done a number of deals uh, where we've acquired away from P.E., where the PE has put a value in on the fact that we know they know we're gonna take care of their employees and their customers. And we sometimes aren't the high bidder, and yet we win the deal because of the reputation we have for doing really good deals and uh, deals that are good for the employees and, and the customers. So all of that stuff comes into, uh, comes into effect. Uh, I'm, you know, in any larger deal, I'm usually personally involved, again, because I have so many years of experience in that area. But I think the key for us is we are well known as a, a good solid home for an acquired company. And somebody that will do a good, fair deal for the seller. And so that
0: tends to present us with opportunities. All right. David Foss, we appreciate you being on this TechCheck Plus live stream. David Foss, the CEO of Jack Henry, if this whole SaaS thing doesn't work out, you might have a career in politics.
1: Well, thank you, Frank. I think.
0: <laughs> David, on a serious note, great to have you on. Thank you very much. David Foss, CEO of Jack Henry. Thank you again. Sure.
1: Life is a highway.